Why Baby Nut Just Got Planters Accounts Suspended from Twitter. Hello and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And for those of you in the United States or who watched it around the globe, happy Super Bowl Monday to you. And to celebrate that Super Bowl, we've actually got a Super Bowl-related story to dive into from a legal perspective. In this case, actually the perspective of reading the terms and conditions of Twitter against an actual major corporation that maybe had a foot fault here, maybe didn't. But without further ado, let's take a look at what actually happened. If you didn't watch the Super Bowl or if you haven't followed social media for the past couple of weeks or so, then you may or may not know that Planters has killed their mascot, Mr. Peanut, in an obvious marketing move to garner viral attention on the Twitters and other social media sites of the world. And in so doing, they actually put together a ad for the Super Bowl that had, instead of a Mr. Peanut, a baby nut come out of the ground, much like a Yoda baby that has been so popular with the Mandalorian. And at the same time that they had this ad air during the Super Bowl, they in fact had a number of Twitter accounts retweeting his existence, retweeting photos and other memes about Baby Nut. You can see the hashtag here that they are using to market it. But as I was looking at my social media today, I saw a story that intrigued me because as it turns out, it doesn't look like Planters actually had permission from Twitter to do that. I've got here an article from The Verge, and we're actually going to look at the article that they source in this article because they did some of the groundwork for actually finding all of this out. But the title headline of this is that Twitter boots Planters baby nut meme accounts for violating its rules. Now, that might not sound exciting to you off of its front page, but it sounds exciting to me because it's very rare for Twitter to take significant action against these kind of large corporate behemoths, not only because Twitter isn't so terribly inclined to do so, but also because large corporate behemoths generally have a lot of lawyers on staff or lawyers that they can call that can go through the terms of service, can go through the terms and conditions and make sure that everything is on the up and up before they do whatever it is that they are going to do. And in this case, when we get to the end of this video, it might be the case that planters actually got this pre-approved. They certainly hint at that, and we will see that. But regardless of whether or not they did get it pre-approved, Twitter took steps to actually ban the baby nut meme accounts today based on a violation of their rules. So let's actually go at the article from Insider to take a look at what was identified yesterday when this all happened to see exactly what Twitter is claiming is the violation. So this is an article from Insider. It says, Planters engineered a viral Super Bowl moment with Baby Nut. A network of meme pages was created before its debut to ensure internet fame. And if we read on in this article, we see here, it says, Planters the Nut brand had engineered the perfect viral moment for the 2020 Super Bowl, killing its mascot, Mr. Peanut, and bringing him back as Baby Nut a smaller, cuter version of the character that immediately brings Baby Yoda to mind. As a matter of fact, when I was watching this ad, I actually thought of Baby Groot from the Guardians of the Galaxy, but that's neither here nor there. But unlike Baby Yoda's virality, which appears to be a grassroots internet movement driven purely by the cuteness of the character in Disney's The Mandalorian, just to stop there for a second, there is no doubt that Disney has helped that along. Doesn't mean that they've done anything nefarious or backhanded or shady backroom deals or anything along those lines, but there's no doubt that Disney has liked what it has seen with Baby Yoda and the attachment that the internet has had to Baby Yoda and has helped it along, encouraging some of that action. 
Baby Nuts' debut came with an infrastructure designed to produce internet stardom, showing the lengths to which companies will go to ensure they get a viral moment. A typical sign of major viral moments in the past few years has been the appearance of meme pages devoted to sharing images and videos, joking about the topic at hand. If you've seen these on the internet, they use various things from popular cultural items and make commentary on other pop culture items by using imagery and sometimes funny, sometimes very often not so funny jokes that hopefully get distributed across the internet in a very viral meme spreading kind of way. But these have kind of spread with things like Baby Yoda, where you've got Baby Yoda talking smack about the Disney sequel trilogy in various funny ways and using that imagery in a manner that is immediately attached to by the internet. With Baby Yoda, as this article goes on to say, hundreds, if not thousands, of meme pages were made by fans or people interested in capitalizing on interest in Baby Yoda memes. Now, with Baby Nut, it appears we are seeing corporations catch on to the trend manufacturing their own meme pages before the rollout of the character. Uh, Now, if that sounds duplicitous to you, if that sounds shady, something that Twitter and other social media sites might not like, well, then you're exactly right, right? Social media as a company, as a business model, traffics in at least the premise, the illusion, the suspension of disbelief that the interactions you are having with another person on that site are in some manner authentic. You are talking to an actual person that has their actual beliefs. And if you're arguing with them, that is done in good faith. Obviously, all of this breaks apart every day on Facebook and Twitter and in various places on the Internet. But the premise is that to the best of their ability, they are presenting you with an authentic experience. So if a corporation that sells you peanuts winds up having a series of what appears to be grassroots meme accounts that then start making this baby nut thing more and more popular across the internet, and certainly messing a little bit, at least one would assume, with Twitter's algorithms for what is trending and what is important and what people are actually talking about, then Twitter says, huh, well, we're not so sure about that. How did this all get figured out? That is part of the interesting of the story. After the debut of Baby Nut during the Super Bowl, the verified Mr. Peanut account retweeted memes from separate accounts about Baby Nut. For most viral moments, this wouldn't be surprising, but upon further inspection, the accounts that were retweeted were created in January before the public knew about Baby Nut, suggesting that they were part of the ad campaign. And then they go on to give examples. I don't want to read the whole article. I will link it in the description to the video. It's a very good article. This is good legwork done on something like this, so I want you to check it out if you're interested in this story. But... The main fact here is that because they were retweeting things from accounts that were brought into existence weeks ago, before anybody had any idea that Planters was going to go through a kind of Baby Yoda, Baby Groot phase with their uh, Mr. Peanut character, it was clear that Planters had had a part in putting this all together. So what does that mean, right? We talked about the fact that Twitter is undoubtedly interested in selling you authentic experiences. So it is no surprise that if we go and we look at their rules and policies, we can see that Twitter actually has one addressing this very issue. Now, before we get into it, we've looked at this page before, but I do want to comment for just a moment on how ridiculous this is of a way to set up the rules and policies for a social media site or really any other kind of contract that you might enter into in the world, right? So if we look at what Twitter has presented here, Everything is separated. Everything is a separate link that you have to click on in order to know the full breadth 
of what Twitter's rules and policies are for your use of their service, what they can do to ding you for using their service in a way that they don't like. Everything that you would have to follow or be concerned by is not put in one place, does not reference itself or each other. It is all in separate web pages. You would have to click however many times to go through this and look at everything that would apply to your use of Twitter. Now, in my opinion, that is pretty much as bad as it gets on these kinds of things. We've read through a lot of terms of service and terms of conditions and virtual legality. We've seen a lot. We've seen ridiculous terms in Facebook. We've seen ridiculous terms in Google and Twitch and Twitter, certainly. But in terms of organization, the one thing that I really think companies would be best served by focusing on is the notion that you want people to understand what it is that they are agreeing to. Because honestly, if Twitter wound up having to go into a litigation and defend some random sentence in one of these 50 policies that you would otherwise have to click on to know that they apply to you, I wouldn't want to be the lawyer that has to actually argue that in front of the court that says, yes, of course they knew about this because they started up an account and they clicked on a box that said this applies to them. And it was two paragraphs deep into click number 34 halfway down the page of our rules and policies help center. Now, that being said, I still think these things generally will apply to any user's use of the Twitter service. The Twitter can certainly ban people, suspend people for violation of these things. They can point to these paragraphs when they do so, but it would be very difficult if it were really come to argue in front of a court that every single user knew of item X here. But what we're going to look at is the platform manipulation and spam policy. So if we click on this, we see the following. This was last updated in September of 2019. Always a good idea to keep track of when the last update was, because if you're looking at some action that took place in the past, not really a big deal for something that happened yesterday, but something that took place in the past, you always want to make sure that you are reading the version of the terms of service or terms of conditions, or in this case, policies that apply to that specific activity. It will be the ones that were written at the time that that activity occurred. This policy says you may not use Twitter's services in a manner intended to artificially amplify or suppress information or engage in behavior that manipulates or disrupts people's experiences on Twitter. Now, that was designed to be read by humans. That's not legalese. But what does it say? The real focus of that sentence is on artificiality, just like we talked about. You want to have an authentic experience on Twitter. So Twitter is concerned about artificial use of its services to change its algorithms. In other words, as they go on to say, we want Twitter to be a place where people can make human connections, find reliable information, and express themselves freely and safely. To make that possible, we do not allow spam or other types of platform manipulation. We define platform manipulation as using Twitter to engage in bulk, aggressive, or deceptive activity that misleads others and or disrupts their experience. You can see here I've highlighted inauthentic engagements. They've also mentioned specifically commercially motivated spam that typically aims to drive traffic or attention from a conversation on Twitter to accounts, websites, products, services, or initiatives. In my view, that first one is actually focused more on taking whatever is trending and then hashtagging whatever it is you're selling that doesn't associate with that trend at all. That's what they really don't like. But also the last bullet here, coordinated activity that attempts to artificially influence conversations through the use of multiple accounts, fake accounts, automation, and or scripting. 
Does that sound like what's happening here? Sounds a little bit like what's happening here to me. And I think that's ultimately what Twitter determined in this particular case is that is what's happening here. You can't have overlapping accounts, multiple, multiple accounts with overlapping use cases, such as identical or similar personas or substantially similar content. Engaging repeatedly with the same tweets or accounts from multiple accounts that you operate. Twitter is getting up here and saying that you corporations can't just run multiple accounts that you retweet your own stuff with a specific hashtag to get it going viral. This appears to be aimed specifically at what happened here with respect to planters and baby nut. So ultimately, you've got a commercial. I think it's a commercial that most people liked. I don't know. I can't speak for everyone. It was fine. I didn't particularly love much of any of the commercials yesterday during the Super Bowl, but this one seemed innocuous enough. And you took that commercial, you had it memified, an attempt to take it viral on the internet on your own volition, not with actual virality, not with actual grassroots support, but using accounts of your own name, own ownership to try to make it viral. And Twitter looks askance at that. It's a violation of their terms and conditions. And ultimately what happens is you get to the end of this and Twitter winds up suspending those accounts that were doing this retweeting. Now notice what they didn't suspend right? It says here, another article from Insider following up on this story that they made up yesterday. Twitter suspended three baby nut meme accounts created by planters because they violated its rules. Twitter suspended three meme accounts launched by planters to promote their reincarnated Mr. Peanut mascot dubbed baby nut. They go on to give you the history of baby nut that we just talked about. The fact that they were immediately retweeting. The meme accounts replicated authentic accounts that frequently pop up around major viral events. One was created as early as September 2019, suggesting that they were part of a coordinated promotion effort by planters. As Insider reported Sunday evening, the accounts could be in violation of Twitter's spam and platform manipulation policy, which forbids that coordinated activity that we just talked about. And after flagging the accounts to Twitter and planners' parent company Kraft Heinz, Kraft Heinz responded Monday morning, noting that Twitter had suspended the three meme accounts that they had created for violating Twitter rules. As we prepared to launch Baby Nut, we knew our fans would want as much content as they could get. After consulting with Twitter, put a pin in that, that is important, we launched three meme sharing accounts, Baby Nut Baby, Baby Nut Memes, and Baby Nut Lol, in a fashion we believed was compliant with its terms of service. Lynn Gallia of Kraft Heinz told Insider, after we went forward, Twitter ultimately decided these accounts were non-compliant. We respect that decision. So you have a couple things happening in this article. One, you have the acknowledgement that this was in fact the case. Insider found this out, found when the accounts were created, reported on it, and they were right. These accounts were part of the planters family. They were designed to artificially make baby nut viral. And so Twitter does appear to be within its rights under their platform manipulation policy to suspend these accounts. The second part is, note that they say that this was done after consulting with Twitter. That is what you would expect from a major corporation. That is exactly what you would expect would happen here. If there's anything in the gray area, and it doesn't really necessarily matter for the entire success of the marketing campaign, whether you do this or not, you'd like to do it because you think it'll have a positive effect, but it doesn't change what you're doing on the overall, then your lawyers say, hey, we should talk to the Twitter lawyers to see if this is gonna be okay. And the suggestion here is essentially that Twitter backstabbed us. After consulting with Twitter, we told them what we were going to do, folks. Twitter said, fine, we did it. 
And then when it became an insider story, Twitter got all mad and said, we are suspending those accounts. We're not going to take it any farther because we understand that basically this was going to be allowed as long as it stayed in the shadows. And once it became public, Twitter had to suspend us and we're not going to fight about it because it's obviously a violation of their terms and conditions. But as a kind of preemptory status, Twitter appears to have had a conversation with Kraft Heinz and Planters. There's really no reason to lie about that fact. And Twitter had that conversation. And certainly Kraft Heinz and Planters walked away from that conversation with the understanding that this was okay. And then the insider story came out and they said, okay, we're going to have to suspend you because we can't have this very public acknowledgement of artificiality on our service. Finally, worth noting on this is note who wasn't suspended, right? The Planters account wasn't suspended. Kraft Heinz wasn't suspended. Companies related to Kraft Heinz weren't suspended. Technically speaking, platform manipulation is a function of all aspects of this. But the meme accounts are easy to suspend. They've only existed for a short period of time. They were only built for this purpose. Twitter essentially took the middle road here. They have the authority to really suspend whoever they would want associated with this scheme because all of it is artificial. The entirety of the thing, planters, Kraft Heinz, all the baby nut meme accounts, which they did suspend, everything related to it is suspendable. It's all part of one kind of schema. They decided not to do that because that really is where the money lives, right? That is where the corporate sponsorship lives, the planters, the Kraft Heinzes of the world. And so Twitter took a middle road, maybe because that's what they wanted to do. Maybe that's because they wanted to appease the corporation. Probably it had something to do with the fact that they probably did have a conversation with planters and Kraft Heinz before this all went into place. And it was only after Insider discovered it, brought it to Twitter's attention, that Twitter said, okay, yeah, we're going to have to take this step. So you've got a multifaceted story here. It's a very interesting one, in my opinion, because we are moving more and more towards what I generally call the age of the influencer in virtual legality, but also kind of the artificial influencer, artificially making something viral, using these multiple accounts to try to game the system, to get on that trending board on Twitter. And then hopefully, if you're planters, those actual grassroots fans of Baby Nut take over. You don't want to just run this engine yourself because it will become more and more obvious that it's just you. But ultimately, you want the grassroots to take over. You want Baby Yoda fans to become Baby Nut fans. And then you've got a viral sensation and you can sell little Baby Nut planters and hopefully your peanuts are flying off the shelves. You understand how they arrived at this point. But you also understand how the Twitters and Facebooks and social media giants of the world aren't terribly interested in having this be a part of their service, especially if it becomes public knowledge. Before it's public knowledge, maybe Twitter doesn't care that much. Maybe Facebook doesn't care that much. Once there's an insider article about it, well, then you see Twitter leap into action. And that's that's just the way the world works here on Super Bowl Monday. Thank you for watching. This has been Virtual Legality for today. If you enjoyed this, please like, please subscribe. We are talking about legal issues and business issues related to pop culture. Video games, software, technology, movies, all sorts of things that we like here. We talk about them all the time. And that includes a fairly lengthy series now on how YouTube actually operates, how it's interacting with COPPA and the DMCA and fair use and copyright. So if you think anybody would be interested in those kinds of things or in this video today, please share it. Please let people know that we are here. We've had a lot of growth in the last year, but we'd like to have more. Every comment you give, every like, every subscription helps us grow. And we very much appreciate it. If you caught this on YouTube, thank you so much for watching. And if you listen to it in its podcast form, thank you so much for listening. And I will catch you on the very next episode 
of Virtual Legality. Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel. 